right, we're back with another Behind the Yellow Line. Folks, breaking news to start the podcast tonight. Jeremy and I have been under the impression for the last two days that we've been doing this show without Randall, and yet he's here tonight. Randall J. Sanders, good to have you with us tonight. All three of us here talking some Cubs baseball tonight. Yeah, you know, that's called dedication. You get one thing done, and you, you get yourself to the recording equipment in time to record another edition of Behind the Yellow Line. Dedication is my middle name, Randall, Randall J. Dedication Sanders. That's right, Randall. Uh, he makes it here for you, the fans. That's how much he cares. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to have Randall in here. Uh, we're recording this on the eve of the 2023 World Series, just as we all said it would be back in March, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. So we'll get into that a little bit towards the end of the show, but we're here to talk Chicago Cubs baseball, and that's what I want to talk about tonight. And, you know, one thing, guys, is we're in this holding pattern right now of we got the World Series that needs to play out. You got a five-day window from there, and then the offseason gets going in earnest. So we're sort of in this holding pattern right now of let's enjoy one more week of Major League Baseball before things really get going for the Cubs offseason. Exactly right. Honestly, I, I can't wait to get going for the Cubs offseason. I'm like, play these games. I mean, I want to watch more baseball, but I also want to get to the things the Cubs are actually doing. So uh, I, I, for me, my focus right now is on the Cubs offseason, and this is going to be a big offseason. So let's get there. I'm largely there too, Jeremy. My interest is in concluding this World Series with relative conciseness so that we can get to the business of the offseason. Well, the business of the offseason, a little different for the Cubs here now that we see multiple high-level executives with the team either leaving or rumored to be leaving. We'll talk about that. But I do want to start with players, and I want to start with Kyle Hendricks because he has been in the news here over the last week, and the Cubs have a decision coming up here on Kyle Hendricks. You bring him back for next year, about $16 million. You say, hey, thank you, but we're going to depart. You give him $1.5 million to go about his way. Or you do something else, like give him a contract extension. Uh, we'll get to our opinions in a minute, but Jeremy, what do you think the Cubs will do with Kyle Hendricks? I think they will give him an extension. I mean, we saw Jed Hoyer already talk about it at the uh, end-of-season press conference. He mentioned you know, that's an idea that they have that they want to bring that they want to bring Kyle back. So I think at a minimum, they will pick up his option uh, at some point, probably this offseason or when they have to at the end of the, uh, you know, at the end of the World Series. But then I think they'll probably be working on an extension. Maybe that doesn't get done till March like normal. But I think I think it I think it makes sense from the Cubs standpoint for you, because I, I think it, I look at it the way like of a college like excuse me an nfl uh restructuring deal right like you could bring his his average annual value down for next year he can get more guaranteed money and you just spread it out over the future that way the cubs have more money to play with this off season so that's why i think it'll get done because i think the cubs want to bring him back for next year but i also think they want more money to play with uh so you can get like an extra maybe two three million out of for this off season just by giving kyle an extension yeah, Jeremy, that's exactly where my mind went when this particular tidbit or nugget, as some might prefer to call it, uh, came over the virtual airwaves. I do think they find a way to keep him around. You don't have a ton of certainty in the rotation right now, and it seems like the most apt thing to do is to keep him and to spread that money out while giving yourself some certainty in that rotation. So like you said, I, I don't see any way they don't pick up his option, and it seems like they're going to figure out a way to spread that money out, keep him in the fold a little beyond that. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe it comes with a, a rider that at the end of the contract, he has a job waiting for him in the front office or maybe kind of in the non-dugout coaching staff. We know Kyle Hendricks, one of the smarter pitchers we've ever seen in a Cubs uniform, very cerebral, very very capable of uh, working on his own mechanics, working on his own pitch mix. It would not surprise me if that kind of job will be waiting for him at the end of this next contract. Right. I, I, I Hey, we Cubs just lost another Ivy League pitcher. You know, we're going to talk about that later uh, from the front office. So maybe Kyle can be another one. But I, yeah, like I, I just think I think it makes sense. Just I just think. I, I I'll be interested to see how much like like what like do you give him say a, a two year twenty four million dollar deal where you're in effect ripping up this year this the option for sixteen million this year and then say okay you get twelve million this year and you get twelve million next year Kyle gets more money gets about eight million dollars more and the Cubs get four million dollars extra this season to play with next year plus they get Kyle another year now I don't think like I would be going out signing him to like three years or more, four years like he did before. But like something like that would seem reasonable to me. I'm, or, I'm with you guys. Oh, go ahead. 
I wonder if they might do two guaranteed years and then maybe a couple of team options after that. The team can decide the team can decide basically how long they want to keep him in the fold as an active pitcher. So I think I agree with you on the guaranteed years. I'm wondering if they put some team options after that. Uh, they can give keep giving themselves certainty depending on how Kyle Hendricks continues to pitch. Well, I'm with you guys about halfway. On one hand, I do think he will be back next year, and I do think it's going to come with an extension. Two years sounds about right to me. He could probably work that out at under $30 million, and then, okay, you got Kyle Hendricks back. I'm less convinced that they should do that, right? I, I don't, you're talking about certainty, Randall, in the rotation. I don't know what certainty Kyle Hendricks brings to the Cubs. He'll be 34 in a month. He made fewer than 25 starts last year. I will readily admit he was better last year than I thought he was going to be. This time last year on this show, I was saying, I think he's done. I don't think there's anything left in the tank. And he nearly gave him a three-war season. But I don't know that he will do that next year. I'm certainly not convinced that it's a guarantee he's going to come back and be just as good as he was this year. And that worries me when you're talking about multi-year extensions. And that's eminently fair, but I do want to point out that the number of starts he made this season, it's not as if he began the season healthy, injured, missed the eight starts or whatever, and then came back. He was recovering from that injury. And as far as we know, knock on wood, he did not have any, sorry, Carrie, sorry, Travis. Uh, he did not have any recurring issues after coming back from that surgery. So, you know, technically you're correct. The best kind of correct as Jeremy would agree with me, but I don't know that that's in, a, in and of itself, especially predictive for next season. Right. I understand where you're coming from uh, uh, Ronan. And I agree with you, Randall on the way. Yeah. He, he, those 25 starts were all in a row. Like after he came back from injury, um, I, but I understand where you're coming from. I agree with you, uh, Ronan. Coming into this year, I thought Cal Hendricks was pretty much done. I thought, you know, whatever, this is the last year of Cal Hendricks. If we even see Cal Hendricks this year, I thought that was a possibility that we might not even see him. But he came back. He came back pretty strong. Is he, you know, the Cal Hendricks of 2016, 2015? Obviously not. No, he's definitely not that. But he had some really good starts. He had some, uh, you know, he was throwing harder than he had been the past few years. Like he got some of that velocity back up, which is where he kind of needs to be to be successful. And you want to bring him back. And as kind of a, uh, the face of, I'm not going to say he's the face of the franchise, but like as a person who's been around this team, is still the world series winner, uh, a leader of this team in the clubhouse. I don't think it means that the Cubs are done in the rotation. I don't think that, the, it means that at all this offseason because you need you have to have more than one you have to have more arms like and I don't think it means that Cal Hendricks is going to be a guy you count on like uh you know at the top of your rotation but as a fifth starter bring him back give him like I I mentioned a two-year 24 million dollar deal under the you free up some money you, you're able to bring him back I think that works out for all involved I I so I I do think he comes back. I do think he comes back with an extension that's not super long term that's kind of in my opinion reasonable but I also think they're going to fill out, you know, other rotation spots because you look at the rotation. What do you have now? You have Steele, who had a great year last year, and I believe in Justin Steele, but also, you know, kind of struggled towards the end and is coming yeah. off maybe the most innings he's ever pitched and the most hard innings he pitched. You have Stroman, who had a great start, then got hurt and kind of didn't struggle down the stretch when he was coming back. And he made all these rumblings about not even picking up his option. So I assume he's going to pick up his option, but we'll see about that. You have Jameson Tyone, who was up and down had a terrible start, had some great starts, then up and down the rest of the season. So it's like, where do you know what that is? So honestly, it seemed like Kyle Hendricks, who was also up and down last year was among their more stable pitchers that they had in the rotation. So I think you bring him back, you give him that extra year, and you just put him at the back end of that rotation as, you know, he's also going to be a leader in the clubhouse. And we all talk about that, you know, with David Ross, but like you need players to also lead. So I think that's going to help as well. And how funny is it that we went from, will the Cubs be able to keep Marcus Stroman in June to should they keep him as we sit here in October? It's incredible what a difference four months makes. Right. A lot can change. And I'd say that in all of this, just thinking about the rotation, how important is Jamison Tyone to the Cubs next season? Like this guy gets a big contract. He comes in. He was terrible for the most part this year. At, at your point, Jeremy, he had a stretch in the middle that was okay, but he was awful at the beginning. He was awful at the end. And when you get a big free agent contract to solidify a rotation, it was a disaster that first year. You like to think they'll find a way to put up better than a one and a half war season next year, but it's going to be critical. And the only thing I worry about with Justin Steele is the same thing you worry about any pitcher that inevitable is there going to be an injury because if he's healthy, he's going to be very good. I think he takes another step forward, but 
injuries happen. It happens to everybody in this game. And for that to happen to the Cubs and Steel, it would be a disaster because the starting rotation and the thinness of that rotation doomed them this year and could be a problem going into next year. The one thing I think they have going into the 2024 season that they did not have going into 2023 is I think think some of those higher level pitching prospects are a lot closer to contributing at the major league level. I think Ben Brown would have been up had he not been injured. So he's knocking on the door. I think Cade Horton is probably going to try and force that issue fairly early on in the season. I'm not saying opening day, but if he's still dominating at double A AA or at triple A in May or early June, I think he's going to try and force that issue. So you've got more high level reinforcements that are a lot closer now than they were a season ago. And that's going to change the calculus some, but as we all know, uh, Jeremy, there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. That's right. And you have, that's right. You have to ensure against that. However you can. Right. And of course, another guy would be, you know, Hayden Wesneski, who we all had such high hopes for coming out of spring training, who kind of didn't really take control of that spot that we wanted him to take control of last season. But like I said before, I, knowing all of these kind of issues the Cubs have going into uh, next year with the rotation, I, I I think, you know, even bringing back Kyle Hedrick, who I, I do think would be a stabilizing kind of presence they still have to go out and make moves for the rotation. I don't think this precludes them from making moves to the rotation. I don't think they think that either. I think, I think that's part of the reason why you, you do give them the extensions to give you that maybe that little bit extra money that you, you yeah. need to go out and address some other things. Well, I think complicating things too, is you look at the free agent class and it's not the most appealing, both either offensively or pitching wise. And for me, at least there was a guy that I had circled saying, this is a guy the Cubs need to go and get. I was all on board with it until about Labor Day. And now, unfortunately, it's moot. Can't happen. Julio Urias. That was a guy that until his issue there, right, I thought this guy could be a perfect fit for this organization. He obviously, because of things off the field, has put himself in a situation that that isn't going to be feasible. But you look at the rest of the free agent class of pitchers, it's pretty weak. It's pretty weak, and that's worrisome. It's definitely worrisome, and that's why I think – I think what you're going to see from the Cubs this offseason, just in general, I, I do think they're going to be very active in the trade market because I, I, the position player class is not great either. And they have some holes, you know, uh, for on the position players. But yeah, it's, 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 it is worrisome. There's not like a big strong market. You, there are some other names that we haven't mentioned, like Lucas Giolito, who was awful after he got traded. I mean, he wasn't great before he got traded. And then he got traded and he was terrible. So like, there's just some ideas of who's even out there. I agree with you. You know, Lance Lynn will probably be out there. I, he was bad for the most part uh, last season. So I, I, that's why I think the Cubs are really going to be active in trade talks. And I think this is why you have a strong farm system. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you have a strong farm system is to be able to put yourself in a position where you can go get anybody for the most part. And so that's where I see the Cubs really kind of making moves this offseason. Yeah, it's, it's a real thin pitching market out there. What's left of Carlos Carrasco? Uh, Sonny Gray might be one of the more reliable names to hit the free agent market. Jordan Montgomery uh, has a, a condition. He, I'm not sure if it's an opt-out or if it's an option. He has the potential to become a free agent, and he's pitched very well down the stretch for Texas, and he's going to pitch for them in the World Series. He may have made himself a lot of money after getting traded, but it's it's a very thin list. This is not the offseason to put all of your hopes on the free agent market. Aaron Nola. Do you take a look there? Absolutely. You take a look, maybe even take a look at Blake Snell. But as always, you've got guys who are getting up in years, a lot of miles on their arms and the money necessary to play ball might be better applied elsewhere. So it's a, it's a very conditional and not particularly strong free agent pitching market. Yeah. I mean, it's generally why you try not to build your teams like primarily through free agency, because most Free agents are, you know, guys that are, uh, you know, have getting up there in age, expensive, probably on the downside of their careers. So, yeah, you want to go out there. You want to make the splash. You want to bring players in. But you want to do that mostly to, like, put yourself over the top or to compliment your guys that you've built up, that core you've built up. So we'll see. I The Cubs do need to go out there and be active, in my opinion, for the starting pitching. So I, I don't expect them to go next year's rotation. I, I expect there to be a starter in the rotation next year that is not currently or will not be active, uh, an active member of the Chicago Cubs when uh, – when the offseason starts. And I don't mean like Kyle Hendricks, yeah. who was a free agent of our back. <laughs> but yeah. Well, the bullpen also needs to be addressed. There's holes there that need to be um, looked at. I know Jeremy here 
the number one guy that he wants in the Cubs bullpen next year, Craig Kimbrell. That's the one guy that he's looking at. Uh, boy, and Chapman. Every t- Bring Chapman yeah, back, and too. Chapman. Every time Kimbrell took them out of the postseason, Jeremy's like, oh, he's going to blow it. He's awful. He's awful. It was fine until the end there with the Phillies, and things got away from our old buddy Kimbrell. Uh, Randall, there's a player in Japan, though, that has your attention. Who are we talking about? So this is not the marquee Japanese arm that is set to come over. That honor, of course, belongs to Yoshinobu Yamamoto. But uh, the Cubs, again, according to Bruce Levine, so uh, put however much stock in that that you like, are uh, interested in Japanese left-handed reliever Yuki Matsui. He is a closer. He is on the younger side. He will turn 28 four days after we record this. He will turn 28 on October 30th. He has been a star closer for the Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles of NPB. Uh, across 10 seasons, he has a 240 ERA. He has struck out 860 batters. He has put together 236 career saves. So he's a dyed-in-the-wool entrenched closer. He strikes out a lot of guys. The, there's some question about uh, physically how much he'll hold up. He's on the shorter side, but he is a free agent. He will not be subjected to the posting system. So what you pay is what you pay. You don't have to pay a fee to his NPB team. And you can never have too much relief pitching. You can never have too much high leverage pitching. And you can never have too much high leverage left-handed relief pitching. So he checks a lot of boxes. The big question apparently is how teams are going to value him. Uh, If you're valuing him as a closer, that's going to cost you a lot more. If he's going to want to be paid as a closer, some teams may view him as more of a a left-handed setup man, and there's just not as much money in that. So question of how he'll be valued, question of how he will translate, but those are excellent numbers over a 10-season career in Japan that usually means there's something there that will translate, and so that's a name to keep on your radar. That is Yuki Matsui of the Golden Eagles. And Randall, you uh, you glossed over this a little bit. I mean, you mentioned that there's some questions about how old of physically uh, being on the shorter stature. He's five foot eight, from what I I gather. Well, so I'm, I'm uh, he's, wrong. He's, he's not a he's not side. he's yeah no you're right you're on the shorter side but like five foot eight is pretty small for a pitcher um to be out there and so yeah I mean I I was just looking at some scouting reports when I saw this of him and uh I was reading about you know he gets his fastball up to ninety five and it seems like his slider is really his best pitch so uh, and yeah I don't know I don't really know much about him I know he was on I believe he was on the the winning uh Japanese baseball team that won the WBC so um. We'll see. And uh, we'll see if that's a name that the Cubs will really go out there. If they bring maybe two, as you mentioned, uh, Japanese pitchers in this offseason. Randall, you got me thinking uh, this weekend, the Japan series is starting over in Japan. So we got the World Series here. They got the Japan series over there. Who you got, Randall? Yeah, you know, I would have to look up who's playing. In I, the well, Japan I can tell series. you that. I can tell you that. We've yeah. got uh, a former team of Kosuke Fukudome. All right, Any that would guesses? be either the Hanshin Tigers or the uh, Chunichi Dragons. Uh, if it were Chunichi, you oh, would you'd know. be all over it. You'd be all I over it. I got that jersey. So it's the Tigers. All right. And the Buffaloes. That's right. The Oryx Buffaloes. I'm going to take the Hanshin Tigers in that one, only because I think a Tiger could physically take down a Buffalo. And so if you're going to match the two up, I will take the Tiger in that matchup. Jeremy? Well, you know what? Just to be against Randall, I'm going to go Blue Buffaloes. That's what we're doing. All right. And I uh, I think I'm going with the Tigers here. I, I just pulled up the rosters. I want to see. There's got to be some, you know, carryover and connections of yeah, guys that are playing idea. over there. Um, I, you know, Randall will be able to track that down a little quicker than me. But there's a guy here, Jeremy Beasley. Ooh. Who uh, had played in the majors with the Diamondbacks and the Blue Jays? He's with the Tigers. So uh, curious. Uh, is there any way we can watch this legally here in the United States? Any That's ideas terrific, on that? It's a terrific question oh, to which I do not. I have think the you guys got to change your like answer to the Buffaloes. I'm sorry, I don't know if there's a way to watch in the United States, but our boy Frank Schwindel is on the Buffaloes. Wow, that does change the calculus. I don't, I'm, I'm still picking the Tigers, but ah. Jeremy, you've you've really made me reconsider here. Ronan, I do have the current Hanshin Tigers roster. So Taguchi is a coach. Well, how Taguchi is he? So Taguchi. Thank you. It's contractually obligated. Uh, not a whole lot of uh, American imports on the Hanshin Tigers roster. Sheldon Noisy, former Major League infielder, is on that roster. Kyle Keller, who I don't remember, but he probably has some MLB time to his name. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot of carryover, not a whole lot of connection on this current Hanshin roster. I'm still taking the Tigers, though. Turning your back on 
So Taguchi, Frank Schwindel, Marwin Gonzalez, also a former Cub farmhand on the oh, Oryx okay. Buffaloes. Curious and where he ended up. I believe, isn't Yoshinobu Yamamoto the guy everybody's talking about this offseason? He's a Buffalo, so. Or am I wrong on that? Did, uh, did you Yoshinobu, just mention Yamamoto? Yoshinobu Yamamoto is, yeah. in fact, a pitcher for the Oryx Buffalo, so you are correct. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you'd say you want to root for him because I think winning a title in NPB will make him want to come over here and win a title with the Cubs. There you so, go. I think there's good reasons to root for either side. Well, we'll keep an eye on that too. We'll see how it goes. And uh, Randall, you got to find out how we can watch that. Maybe get us an update before the end of the show tonight. Cause I would like to find a way to watch a little bit of that Japanese series. Uh, some other Cubs news here, uh, kind of mixed news for the Cubs. I, I, on one hand, it's a sign that the organization is healthy. On the other hand, it stinks when you lose high quality individuals. Let's start with this guy, Craig Breslow, who was the Cubs vice president of pitching. He was basically the architect, if you will, of all the pitching infrastructure for the Cubs organization. He's leaving the team. He got a huge promotion leading baseball ops with the Boston Red Sox. So on one hand, good for him. That's the dream, right? You get the opportunity to run baseball operations for the Red Sox of all teams. On the other hand, this does sort of suck for the Cubs because this is a competent guy who clearly had done a lot to develop pitching which we've seen with this Cubs organization. So some mixed emotions here, Jeremy, when you see a guy like Breslow leave the organization. 100%. Like you want people to want your people or you want other organizations to want your people, but you don't want to actually see them leave. Uh, but yeah, you know, Craig Breslow going back to kind of his home area. He pitched at Yale. He's from Connecticut pitched for the Red Sox in the past. So I understand why he's leaving to go back uh, closer to home and take a position like obviously a promotion with the Red Sox to be, I like the title they call him chief baseball officer. I just think that's a fun title CBO. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he was a guy who came in and, and he worked his way up. A former player was called the like smartest player in baseball when he was a pitcher uh, at the time. And he took over kind of the whole, uh, pitching infrastructure, right? And he became in charge of the pitching infrastructure, made to be a way to be vice president of pitching, also kind of a cool title, I think. Uh, so that look at what the Cubs have done since he's been in charge. I mean, they have been one of the teams that, you know, their fastball velocity has increased the most. Uh, they've brought in all, they have all these hot pitching prospects that they have now. Look where they were five, six, seven years ago, or when they were, it was all about, it was all hitters. They had all position players. They had really no position pro prospects. And Breslow came in, he worked his magic, and the Cubs have been very strong in the pitching development. So, uh, yeah, that's why, obviously, the Red Sox want him. And he's considered a very smart man, and it makes sense that he would go there. But it stings, as you said. It stings to lose those type of people because, you know, you have to replace them. Hopefully, his processes are still kind of in place. I'm sure whoever comes in will want to do things their own way a little bit, you know. But he, he still leaves behind, you know, kind of some of the things that he did with the organization that makes sense that they will build off of. Yeah, it stings. It's like losing a good offensive coordinator, not that we know what that's like as Bears fans, but it's like losing a good offensive or defensive coordinator in the NFL. You hope that the system is in place. You hope he left copious notes behind in, in very readable uh, hand script. Uh, good for him. And there were a lot of things to like about the Cubs pitching infrastructure. We've been talking it up all season. Hopefully you can continue with the things that work. Somebody new can come in and bring in uh, some things for what wasn't working. So that's all you can really do is, is wish Craig good luck and hope that you can combine everything great that he did with everything great that someone new will do. Yeah. And, and one other thing I just want to mention, I think as a player, like he was one of the first guys to really use those like Rapsodo cameras, those high speed cameras. So he was like at the forefront of a lot of these types of things, which made sense of why the Cubs wanted to hire him because they wanted to modernize their whole development system. So uh, yeah, he was obviously a guy that was cutting edge. Yeah, yeah, we could sit here all day and talk about his various educational accomplishments. That's a very intelligent man, and the Cubs were be, were lucky to be able to employ him in that pitching czar position for as long as they did. You figure, too, the Cubs sort of knew this was coming, right? Yeah. I mean, just within industry circles and all that, you know what names are kind of trending up. There was a lot of media attention, I think, also on Breslow. Um, and maybe it's just because we're Cubs fans and we're sort of glued into that, but it felt like the secret had been out. So they can't be that surprised that this guy's getting an opportunity. Um, get to run the Boston Red Sox. That's uh, almost as good as it gets in the baseball world. Definitely. You, you would think that the Cubs have an idea of where they want to look 
to find those replacements and people that would be probably interested. I mean, I, I imagine there are a ton of people, right. Would be interested to take over uh Cubs, you know, to be that in that position with the Cubs and also to, you know, this crop of pitching prospects that they would get to work with and maybe be even take some credit for when they get here. But uh, yeah, you, you definitely think that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jed has an idea of where certain people are and you wish him luck, right? Oh, good luck. Yeah. The Cubs, you know, he's not going to the Brewers. He's going to the Red Sox. So we're, uh, hopefully we face him in the world series. Yeah. I was just say, thinking that Jeremy, at some point in my life, I would like to see a Cubs Red Sox world series. That would be great. There's a couple matchups in the American League. Randall, cover your ears here. I'd like to see a Cubs-White Sox World Series in my lifetime. I'd love to see a Cubs-Yankees World Series in my lifetime. Uh, But definitely Cubs-Red Sox would be very cool. And, man, it almost happened in 2003. We talked about that a little bit last week, but it almost happened 20 years ago. Um, You guys are down on David Ross. Of this podcast, I'm the one guy that's pro David Ross. You guys are various levels of get him out of here, I've moved on. Well, his number two, the bench coach Andy Green, apparently in the mix for the Cleveland Guardians job. Uh, I get the feeling, Jeremy, you're not too high on Andy Green either. So you wouldn't be sad if this guy goes to Cleveland. No, I wouldn't be sad if Andy Green goes to Cleveland. I was actually down on Andy Green before I was down on David Ross because I remember like, (laughs) I, I was not like super impressed with his, I believe, San Diego tenure. Um, and then the Cubs hired him. And I thought, oh, you know, he's a, a guy who's experienced as a manager, can help David Ross. We'll see where this goes. But then even the game, I remember there being a few games early on because David gets ejected. He got ejected a few times. And I remember like I was at a game, I believe, where David got ejected. I think it was against the Braves and Andy Ross is managing it. And I was just like, what What are we watching sitting in that game? watching Andy Green manage it like there were some odd decisions at that time I thought this is probably 2021 um that I I was just like you know what I'm I've moved off to Andy Green now I'm sure David Ross had a different opinion maybe he was good in the clubhouse as we've talked about but I'm good I'm good as we said I want to manager proof the roster I would be okay manager proofing the coaching staff too like (laughs) let's get some tactical guys in there David can make the decisions but like let's get some guys to whisper some things into David's ear that I would I would be more of a fan of yeah, you know, that's an excellent point is Andy Green was himself kind of a, I don't want to say failed manager because that seems really harsh, but he was a manager who had been let go of by a previous team and ended up as a bench coach. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if Green gets that managerial job and the Cubs can bring in someone with some new ideas to bounce off of David Ross or for David Ross to bounce ideas off of in the new bench coach spot. So I don't think that would be a terrible thing at all. I think that would be a great opportunity maybe to bring in somebody a little younger, maybe a little more forward thinking, and you can get some difference of ideas in that dugout run. And I see you shaking your head at me. Honest, I'm I'm not treating this as a, a dig at David Ross more than a little bit. I, I do think it's an opportunity to bring in some new ideas in that dugout. And I don't think that's a terrible thing at all. The reason why I'm shaking my head is I've noticed a trend with you on social media. This is something we were going to get to later. Uh, The San Francisco Giants hired Bob Melvin away from the San Diego Padres. When the news first broke that that was a possibility, you were taking shots at Bob Melvin. You were taking shots at the San Francisco Giants. Then they hire him. The shots keep coming. And you did say in one of those tweets or zeets, whatever they're called these days, why not a younger guy? So, okay, what's your beef with Bob Melvin? Oh, Bob Melvin, he's he's a, a 7-Eleven roller hot dog. You know exactly what you're going to get, and maybe it serves a purpose, but it's not going to be great. This is a great stat that I came across. He's one of 14 managers with eight postseason appearances, but he is the only one of those 14 with no pennants. You know what you're going to get from a Bob Melvin managed team. And I just think there's a ceiling on it. He's, this is his what fourth, fifth stop as a manager. And none of those teams have really accomplished anything concrete. They've had some great regular seasons, but again, no pennants, nothing you can really hang a nice big flag about. And I just have to think that teams are so afraid to try something new, try someone's younger forward thinking bench coach or third base coach or their minor league manager that you just keep hiring away Bob Melvin to hope that he can stabilize. And apparently that was an issue in Gabe Kapler's clubhouse. That's a team that platoons a lot. (laughs) What Jeremy, four positions, five positions out of your position players. It's a team that platoons a lot and you need a manager who can manage everyone in that clubhouse, the young guys and the veterans, because they're all going to need to be handled differently. And apparently, courtesy of the San Francisco media, that was a little bit of an issue in Gabe Kapler's clubhouse, that he just was not communicating with all the players. And you're going to bring Bob Melvin in to stabilize that. That's fine. I get it. I just wonder, what do you do when you've hit that 
I don't want to say low ceiling, but what do you do when you've maxed out Bob Melvin? Where are you going to go with that? <laughs> and I just don't think it's going to end any differently than it did at any of his other stops. I, I think I know the real reason that Randall's not a fan. Yes, of Bob the 2007 Melvin. Diamondbacks. He That's thinks I've forgiven him. He <laughs> exactly. thinks I've forgiven him. I have the not 2007 him. Diamondbacks. I will never forgive him. Sorry, go ahead. I, I lost myself. I there. was going right there to the 2007 Diamondbacks. I think it's just pent up aggression from 15, 16 years ago when Bob Melvin took a Arizona Diamondbacks team that did not have a positive run differential all the way to the NLCS. Uh, I don't know. I think Bob Melvin. If we're just gonna get on Bob Melvin for a second, I think he's a solid manager. I mean. I, I, it says something to have all of those postseason appearances, right? Like a lot of managers don't have anywhere close to that as you rattled off. And I think the postseason is kind of a crapshoot. Like it's what, two weeks, three weeks. Like I think I put more weight into the guys that have been doing it like every week over and over again. Like look at some of the managers that have not really had success in the postseason um, that, you know, Dusty Baker is one I, I think is a pretty good manager and he took him how long to finally get to the world series and win a world series. Um, so I, 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 that's just me. I think Bob Melvin will probably, I think San Francisco's actually is a forward thinking front office. I think they're a very smart front office. I think, um, they're kind of out there. So I, if they want Bob Melvin, look, the Padres had some issues last year, but they were third and run differential. That was a team that should have made the playoffs. I don't know what went on, whether it was Bob Melvin, who was, uh, you know, holding them back or whether Bob Melvin was pulling them forward with them being so successful in terms of actually outscoring their other teams a lot so uh we'll go but i i i i i think out of all the retreads a guy like bob melvin it seems like a guy who's been successful a lot that i i would be perfectly fine having my team managed by bob melvin i just think it's putting a cap on your team but i've never been in a major league clubhouse i've never been in a dugout on which i was not touring so what do i know maybe the giants and that front office do know better than i do it would not surprise me it's just meh you can't spell melvin without two-thirds of meh Okay. Uh, well, while we're talking managers, let's go full circle here. Dusty is retiring. He gets the World Series last year, comes close this year, says that's it. Um, will Dusty Baker manage again? Just because he's retiring doesn't necessarily mean he'll never manage again. Randall, you're shaking your head. This is it for Dusty in the majors. I do think he's done. He's not a young man anymore. He's got his World Series ring. I think he's. I think he's probably done. I think he's ready to be done. I think he'll go what is dusty doesn't seem like a like a rancher or like a horse guy or is dusty a golf guy whatever dusty wants to do in retirement yeah that's right make toothpicks high five guy high five guy that's right i think he's just gonna ride off into the sunset and go do that i do think he's done i think the rigors of a major league season are more than he would like to continue dealing with so i do think he's done yeah i'd agree with that i I mean he's 74 75 years old um i would be surprised if he comes back but hey you never know i mean bruce bochy came back and they're gonna possibly win another world series, but yeah. yeah, Dusty got his world series. He got it. He had a success. I think he, if you look at his career, a lot of winning in my, yeah. there's been a lot of winning. You say what you want to say about Dusty. He's had a lot of winning in his career. Every team he's managed, he's taken to the playoffs. He's been one divisions with them. Uh, so I, I mean, he's only got, you know, a couple world series, right. But over 20, 25 year career, but I think he's been high. Successful. I imagine he goes in the hall of fame. So good for Dusty. Yeah, good for Dusty. Um, Weird saying that 20 years later. I didn't feel that way uh, this time in 2003. But as we talked about last week, 2016 for me healed a lot of the wounds of the 2003 team. Um, Even though he was with Houston, I sort of felt sympathetic towards Dusty. Not so much this year, but last year I was was sort of happy for him that he got that World Series win as a manager. Um, Randall, has your... Disdain of Dusty waned at all in the last 20 years or not especially in your head? Not at all. Not especially. No, I'm good. Him winning a World Series last year did not do anything for me personally. It was good for people whose opinions I respect. Doug Glanville was a big fan of it happening. And I like a lot of what Doug Glanville says and does. Great analyst. So I'm happy that it made other people happy. For me personally, it did absolutely nothing. The same when he was with the Nationals and he was trying to write his redemption narrative on nationals letterhead edit on a, the you know the visiting manager's desk at wrigley field no thank you it just eh, eh. but good for him enjoy retirement and your toothpicks randall still holds a grudge he's a man who yes. knows oh, how yeah. to hold a grudge. i hold grudges i have a large box it is labeled grudges they're organized they're alphabetized i hold grudges i am a grudge holder yeah but uh melvin is in there as you said baker 
is in there uh, also. Jack um, McKeon's in there, name. I guarantee that. <laughs> yeah. Mets, Mets have a vacancy in their managerial role. There's rumors about Craig Council potentially being interested in going that route. Former Cub manager Joe Madden says he at least wants an interview. Will Joe Madden ever manage another big league game? No, I don't think it's coincidence that he wore out his welcome in in Los Angeles or Anaheim, I beg your pardon. I don't think it's coincidence that he wore out his welcome there pretty quickly. I'm wondering if front offices are just kind of tired of Joe and his way of doing things. And you really need the right roster for Joe Madden. I'm not saying the Mets aren't that right roster necessarily, but it really has to be the perfect situation. And that perfect situation has to want him. It would not surprise me if he's done, but I could also see some team pulling him out of retirement when they need like an emergency manager, the way the Red Sox had to uh, Cora with the cheating scandal, the way the Mets had to, they hired Beltran and then had to fire him because of the cheating scandal. I think he's maybe on some speed dials as like an emergency manager. I just don't see him kind of being the first choice for anyone's job. Yeah. Mets had to do it with Bobby Valentine with the, when they had to fire core, or uh, excuse me, the Red Sox had to do with Bobby Valentine when they fired core. Uh, uh, I, I think he's done. I, I don't think he's coming back. I think he he's made some comments that probably burned a lot of bridges, uh, so to speak. I uh, one of the things is he's kind of getting up there in age. Like people don't realize how old he is. He's going to be seventy years old by the time next season starts. So he's not a young man. Um, I it, the funniest thing is I I was just on X, I guess we call it now, and uh, a day or two ago, and some weird pop up ad popped up, and it was like Joe Madden for like some sort of like, I don't even know, like solutions-based company. And he was talking about the 2016 World Series. It was a really what? weird ad. Talking about, <laughs> we had all this data. And some said data said I should go with Lester, number one. Other data said I should go with Arietta, number one. But I went with my, like, I looked at all, I computed it, and I went with the who, who should go number one. And I was like, this is kind of a weird ad. And I just feel like Madden's kind of out there on his own. Like he made those comments about analytics. He wrote his book. He took some shots at some front offices. Like, I don't even know how the Cubs front office honestly feels about him right now. Cause he talked about, took some shots that you could probably construe about being the Cubs or the angels or, or possibly even the Rays. So um, I just think he's a guy who's probably burned his bridges. He'll get elected to the hall of fame. I imagine as well. And when he does, I will support him and be happy for him, but I just don't see him as a guy who's going to come back and manage. And I don't think, a team like the Mets who David Stearns is going to be that type of team to hire. Yeah. They, I don't think they will go for Joe Madden. Unlike some other managers we've mentioned on this particular edition, I do not hold a grudge against Joe Madden. There is one world series winning Cubs manager in the last hundred years. And that is Joe Madden. So I do not hold a grudge against him, but I do completely agree. I think he has kind of worn out his welcome in major league dugouts. And I don't think any team is going to be pining for him. Hmm. Well, if Jake wasn't his one, and if Lester wasn't as one, it must have been John Lackey That's as his number one. I don't know where this I'll, ad went, but I'll, no, I'll, no, no. John Lackey. I'll, I'll try John to find Lackey. the ad. It was a, yeah, it was a, down. it was like I'll track it. Down. It was just like a, it came out of nowhere. I was solutions like, based. Yeah. yeah. Why is Joe Madden in some like weird ad? <laughs> you got to make money somehow. Yeah. 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 Uh, keep cashing those checks. So Breslow goes to the Red Sox. Andy Green may be going to the Cleveland Guardians. Apparently, the Cubs' VP of scouting could also be on the move. What's the story there? Yeah, the Mets apparently have been discussing uh, about hiring Dan Kantrovitz, who, as you mentioned, is the Cubs VP of scouting, oversees, you know, all the amateur scouting and, and player development as well. And I, I from what it sounds like, I, I can't imagine he's going over there to take a similar job. Like he's going to get promotion. The Cubs promote him when I believe they hired him from St. Louis and he was at Oakland before. Or maybe he's at Oakland, St. Louis. I know he was at those two stops before he came to the Cubs. Um, so I, I'm thinking possibly he's going over for a general manager role or to be the number two guy under David Stearns, uh, if the Mets, if he gets hired. So, uh, that would be a big loss because as we mentioned, the player development has been something that the Cubs have upped over the last few years. Like it's, it's, and he, he oversaw a lot of it. He oversaw all the Cubs drafts. And we've talked a lot about how successful some of these Cubs drafts have been. Like we kind of were there was a lot of people, a lot of angst, I'll say, over Cade Horton when Cade Horton was drafted. But look what Cade Horton's done. Um, you know, there's been some other successful Cubs drafts that we've had. And and some I mean, Matt Shaw is already in double A. So uh I think it would be a big loss. Dan Carter has always seemed like a very smart guy. I remember when he was with Oakland, he had an interview with Fangrass. I was like, oh, he seems like a smart guy too. So it would be an, a, another big loss. But as we said, it's a good thing when people want your guys and when they want your player development guys, especially that's a good thing. So I just look at it once again as a good sign, but it's going to be tough to start the off season. If you have to fill these two critical roles. 
Yeah, I, I'd like to call the Mets up and say, hey, keep your dirty hands to yourself. Uh, like Jeremy said, you want your guys to be wanted, but you don't want to lose them. And, you know, you would never hold a guy back from a promotion with another organization, but I don't want them to leave. The Cubs, I think, have a great player development, a great pitching development uh, infrastructure in place. And like Jeremy said, it's going to be more difficult to fill in those gaps if you've got not one, but two key spots in your front office that you're going to have to fill this offseason. So, you know, it's unfortunate, I guess, that the one definite departure that we've discussed of the three is maybe like the biggest one. Um, you know, I don't want to not wish Kantrovitz luck. I hope the Mets go in a different direction. Randall likes to keep all the cards yeah. on the shipper, certainly the good ones. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, though. But again, I it, going back to the primary point there, I do think it's indicative of a healthy organization that you've got. I will say competent teams. I do consider the Boston Red Sox generally a competent organization. When they're going out and poaching your guys, that's a good sign. Randall, you mentioned the Bears coordinators. I'm an Indiana University football fan, okay? Teams aren't knocking down the door to get our offensive and defensive coordinators, but you look at programs like Alabama and it's like a revolving door. You go where places are winning and developing players and you take those number two or three guys. So I think, again, I, it, it gives me some optimism that the Cubs are doing a lot of things the right way. And even if Breslow leaves, even if some of these other folks go, the players that they've developed aren't going anywhere. And I think the fruits of their work will continue to pop up over the next couple of years and okay, develop the next Craig Breslow, right? Get the next guy to be that man. And, and that's what good organizations do. Right. Not and what the White Sox do. No, no. no. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I also, you know, you want to mention programs like Illinois who lost their defense coordinator last year, Ryan Walters to Purdue, you know, good programs lose good coordinators, right. uh, but, uh, but uh, head coach, but um I agree with you, and 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 you would expect to expect that the Cubs would be a team. There, I mean, all teams really, because you know there's only thirty of these so positions out there. But especially a team like the Cubs would be like a hot kind of in demand spot. Like you, you, I think you would want to be the scouting director of the Chicago Cubs. Like out of, out of all the teams, uh, you know, there's probably five teams that you probably put up there. And I think the Cubs would probably be one of those like top five spots wherever. So like the Cubs should have a good list of candidates, in my opinion, to fill these roles. Like maybe somebody gets promoted into a role and then they backfill that role. So you never know how it's going to work out. Well, just thinking about like good and bad organizations, um, I'm joking there. The White Sox are a mess. And that certainly seems that that's the case. Um, I was laughing here in the last two weeks, the Colorado Rockies have had a golf event at Coors Field. It's one of these things where they set up tee boxes in the seating bowl. They've got greens essentially down on the field. You hit balls down there. But I was laughing that they had scheduled this event months, 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 maybe even years in advance, but it's during the playoffs. And right, and the idea there is, oh, we're not going to be playing games in the middle of they October at Coors Field. We're going to go ahead and plan this other event. It was $100, Jeremy, a person. And I learned a friend of mine did it. I unfortunately couldn't go. Uh, probably a good thing I didn't drop $100 on that. But you got 18 balls. You get one shot, right? It's, and there's no putting. You, you, you're up on the tee box. You get one shot. $100 for 18 shots at Coors Field. But, you know, the Rockies here planning these events when they should be planning postseason home games. That's how things play out at Coors Field. That's more than $5.5 per ball. Those are some expensive crazy. balls. It's definitely expensive and crazy, but it, honestly, it sounds like a whole lot, a lot of fun. I would love to it, go yeah. out there. And now, they the do, and they the do, do that at Wrigley. They do do that at Wrigley. You stand in the bleachers and you hit them, or they have done it in the past, you stand in the bleachers and you hit them into the outfield. They have done it at Wrigley in the past. Hmm. Oh, well, that, the bleachers to the like outfield the is a chip shot, uh, yeah. in my opinion. But seeing folks up at the 5280 seats, hitting the ball out on the field, it did look cool. I just thought the price was a little bit hot there. And I just thought the optics of, because it, it's not like you plan that thing in two or three days. That thing was planned months and months ago with the expectation that they wouldn't be playing postseason games. But Dick Monfort's getting his dollars, so good for him there. Uh, we're at the World Series. This weekend, and again, Arizona and the Texas Rangers. Randall, you've complained about Bob Melvin. We know you hate the 2007 Diamondbacks. you got to be all in on the Texas Rangers this week. There, there's certainly the option I would prefer. I have no real desire to see this Arizona Diamondbacks team win a World Series because it is going to be nonstop. Oh, they were counted out. Oh, they were under 500 at one point. Oh, they were not in the playoffs in the last 
what, three weeks of the season. I have no interest in that. None. Negative interest, if it's possible to have negative interest. So the Rangers are certainly my preferred outcome in this World Series. And how many times has a Chicago team failed to keep out or put away a team that has ended up going either 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 going to the championship or winning it. I'm thinking about the Bears not beating the Packers. I'm thinking about the Blackhawks not beating the Canucks. I'm thinking about this Cubs team not putting away the Diamondbacks when they have a chance. Seems like if a Chicago team fails to put you away, you can pencil your ticket all the way to the championship uh, when all is said and done. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, I don't want to see this Arizona team win <clears throat> primarily for that kind of reason. It's like, because all I can think about it those games like in Arizona or those games at Wrigley. It's like if you win, you win that extra inning game, like the ball bounces a certain way off Wesneski's back and Cubs are in the playoffs and Arizona's not. So that that's a frustrating thing to me. I will say that I I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Like I, I didn't expect Arizona to beat the Phillies. Uh, I think I had it in five games or something. I, I will also say though, that it worked out for me because I may have been making some wagers on each of these Arizona games and, and win some money. So, but uh, I, I, I don't want to see the Arizona win. And it's kind of a shame because there are a lot of players I like on this Arizona team. I like a lot of their players, but I just, I just go back to those series. Like the it should have been the Cubs. It should, it should be been. the Cubs in that spot. So that's what keeps me from rooting for Arizona. Ronan's making those faces he makes. Ronan, what's your what's your I, I what's just your take? I think I think people are being unfair to Arizona. That that was a good team. There, there were 16 games over 500 at one point during the year. They scuffled going into the All-Star break. Um they kicked the Cubs ass in September. Right? They kicked the Cubs ass in September. And then they've gotten to the postseason. They've got one of the best pitchers in the league in their starting rotation in um Zach Gallen. They've got an unbelievable bullpen. And they've got one of the best young players in the game right now, among other competent players on offense. I think too many people are making a big deal about, oh, they shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Uh, there's too many teams that get into the playoffs. This is a mediocre team. This is a team that was not in the regular season the best team in the National League, but it's a pretty competitive roster there. They've earned their spot in this World Series, in my opinion. I'd want to see the Rangers win their first World Series. I'd like to see that happen. I think that's good for the sport. But I think people are unfairly harsh on this Arizona Diamondbacks team, and I think they're sticking it to a lot of people right now, too. I will absolutely agree that I'm unfairly harsh on the Arizona Diamondbacks, <laughs> but where I disagree is that that does not make me wrong. Oh, I will say, I will say, I I am happy that the Arizona Diamondbacks are sticking to certain people. I hope that Mr. Mad Dog Russo continues on with his oh, retirement, God. as he as he said, because he guaranteed that they would not win either of those two games, and if they did, he would retire. So. I stick it all to those people. And like I said, I, I had some nice wagers that they helped me out with. And I liked some of their players. I just an 84 win team to me. I know they had some success in the in the in the regular season, but like it is a little harsh to see that in the World Series. And it's the rules the I know it's the, it's the rules of the sport now, you know? No, but and the Cubs were 83 wins. So like and they had that chance. So I I in my head, I'm always gonna think you know, I'm always gonna think the Cubs should be there. Sure, sure. But they whoop the Dodgers. They go to Philly. They take the last two on the road. I mean, Good tip for your them. cap to the ears. And they announced today that they sold out games three, four, and five of the World Series. Good. So how about that? They got sellouts in the World Series. Something I think we can agree on is the great work Texas did in keeping Houston out of the World Series. And that was a very up and down ALCS. You go up, you go home up to nothing you lose you get swept at home basically you go back to houston down three two and then you have the balls to win game six and seven in front of a very odious uh houston crowd who had their sights set on one particular rangers player who ended up being the series mvp that's a that's a ballsy alcs and i give texas all props for going into a very odious place and emerging clean and victorious yeah. Absolutely. And I like some new teams in the World Series. I like the fact that because Houston lost, we're not getting consecutive World Series champions, something that has not happened in the sport since the Yankees run in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think that's really good for baseball, that I can point to leagues like the NBA and the NFL and say, oh, there's only a handful of teams that realistically have a chance of winning every year. And the whole rest of it's kind of a weird 
show, especially the NBA, is really, really unappealing to me 95% of the season. But in baseball, it's good. The Rangers could win their first world championship ever. Both of these teams were 100 losses two years ago, and they've turned it around, and one of them is going to walk away a World Series champion. Here's what I don't care about. National TV ratings. What I don't care about is seeing the Braves again and the Dodgers and the Astros. It's good to have some other teams in there. Of course, I wish it was the Cubs playing the Rangers, but let's this thing go seven. Let's have some interesting new faces, get signature moments here in the postseason, and then hopefully the Cubs win the offseason. As long as Nelson Cruz is not in the outfield for Texas, I think it'll be a very good series. Yeah, I, I that was a great series, uh, Texas versus Houston. It was uh, as as we talked about, as I talked about before. There's a, like that's a rivalry that people don't even really talk about. I mean, it's a Texas rivalry. The Rangers fans do not like the Astros, and uh, vice versa. So, like, it was good to see that on center stage. We saw a lot of booing back and forth. Hey, we saw some beanballs that mm-hmm. I don't know where they were. Like, uh, I'm I'm kind of hey, skip skip this World Series. Let's go to next year. Let's get some more Texas Houston games because there's going to be some hands thrown. I think in some Texas Houston games. I don't know that Brian Abreu pitch. It obviously had the feel and look of a guy who was throwing at him at Adelise Garcia. But like the fact that in that situation, it would be so epically stupid to do that, that it was hard for me to believe that he actually did that. And it's still kind of hard for me to believe whether he actually did. But then in game seven, you saw Abreu do it again in a situation that probably wouldn't be hard to believe. And then you saw Chapman, man. I am convinced Chapman just threw 104 mile per hour pitch. It looked dead on uh, right there. And I'm stunned that the Astros did not come out of the dugout in that situation because that was a clear situation with like 10-2 game in the eighth inning. <laughs> he just drilled a guy with 104 miles per hour. Like, there's going to be some bean balls. It was a fantastic series. Adelius Garcia made himself a star. I love to see all these guys that the Cardinals got rid of going off in the playoffs. Him, Arazarena. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. And yeah, I'm excited for the World Series in Texas, Arizona. I think it's going to be a fun World Series. Two game sevens. Let's get a third game seven. Yeah, the Astros and their fans have a lot of heads up a lot of asses. Sometimes it's their own ass. Sometimes it's other asses. And it's very gratifying to see that not rewarded because the Astros were taking every opportunity to double down on everything they've done since 2017, which is pretend like they are victims and not perpetrators. And it's vindicating to not see that rewarded for a change. And and, then I just want to mention one thing. The Rangers announced who's going to be throwing out the first pitch uh, game one. And that is going to be the former president, George W. Bush. So Ooh. hopefully, in my opinion, we get another kind of replay of that 2001 first pitch where uh, George W. just fires a strike right there because that was a really cool moment at the time. And I, I would kind of like to see a reminiscent of that moment from 22 years ago. Uh, closer to my interests, throwing out the first pitch for game two is Cubs and Rangers shared Hall of Famer Fergie Jenkins. It's always wow. good to see always good to see Fergie out there enjoying himself. The man who's just living his best life right now with his cigar line and just going to whatever baseball games he can. So Fergie living his best life and he gets to throw out a ceremonial first pitch at a world series game in Texas. Do you hold a grudge? Do you hold a grudge for the fact that he's a ranger too? No, I I don't hold any grudges against Fergie. You're not like he's our Fergie, not your Fergie. I said shared. I literally said, no, I know. I know it's shared. I'm saying like, is that, is that how you feel? Like, are you feel possessive of him? I wish he were throwing out the first pitch at a Cubs World Series game, yeah. but since that is not an option, sadly, I do not at all begrudge him throwing out the first pitch for a team for whom he spent a number of seasons pitching. I don't begrudge I'm, him that at all. I'm, I'm just... Well, you know, I could see the Diamondbacks calling up Randy Johnson and saying, hey, man, we got a World Series thing. Maybe Mark Grace will be visible over the next couple of days. I don't think Kurt Schilling's getting no, a call, No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> I think Kurt Schilling erased all his tweets because I looked at the other day. They're all gone. <laughs> So we should all be so lucky. Probably yeah. for the best, yeah. yeah. Uh, but probably some Mark Grace attention. Uh, Luis Gonzalez, I saw, got some FaceTime in the NLCS, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, some connections over the years. Maybe we'll get a Mike Fetters appearance at the World Series here. I'm wondering if they'll just take all the players that are represented in the racing legends at Chase Field and just bring out their real-life versions, throwing out first pitches to the racing legends versions, because that would be a very Chase Field thing to do. There's a lot of circus excess in that ballpark. And if I remember correctly, that 2001 Arizona Dimebacks team broke like the X-Cub curse or whatever that they made up where like no team that ever had four Cubs, X-Cubs on it, had won the World Series. And right now I'm blanking a little bit on all who all the X-Cubs were. Obviously, Gonzalez, Mark Grace. Um, 
I, does Miguel Batista ever come? I'm not sure. Um, but that that one World Series, so maybe we'll see some Cubs out there uh, celebrating Fairzo. But uh, Brandon, I wasn't saying you begrudged Fergie. I was saying you begrudged the Rangers. No, for just saying you know he's our Fergie. Back off. No, not at all. Look, the Rangers are the team I forget about half the time if I'm doing that four major pro leagues sporkle quiz. To begrudge them would be to remember them constantly, and I can't claim that. So, Looking for some Cubs names here with the 2001 team. Of course, Bob Brenly, the skipper of that team, right? That comes to mind. Um, uh, you'd mentioned Luis Gonzalez. We'd mentioned Mark Grace. Um, what else do we have in here? Do you have uh, was Miguel Batista? Was he a former Cub? I feel like he might have been. I could be making that up. Yeah, I got. There's a bunch of names here that just sound. Yes, he was. He pitched like uh, eleven games their... in '97. Miguel Batista. So that's one. And yeah, Tony Womack. Uh, Tony that Womack. came later. He would become a Cub oh, a yes. couple years later. But Tony Womack, Randall, who else? We can't forget about Cubs spring training legend Alex Cintron, uh, and don't forget Damian Miller. Yeah, Damian, Damian Miller, Miller, another one. Yes. Okay. Damian let's Miller, also, Mike, let's also not... Mike DeFelice would also catch for the Cubs uh, briefly and shortly. So there, there's certainly some some Cubs connections on that 2001 D-backs roster. Let's also not forget they actually had a player go by the name R. Sanders. They did. Oh, they yes, did have an yes. R. Sanders. They have an R. Sanders. the wrong number, though. He wasn't wearing 22. He was wearing 16. Oh, Mike well, Morgan. Mike Morgan was on that team. That's and Mike Morgan, yeah. Um, so course, prediction time. Randall, Bob Melvin. Wins. Bob Melvin was bench coach for that 2001 team. Just to bring it him all back comes up. full circle. It all comes full circle. Prediction time. I am going with the Texas Rangers in seven games. I'm going to go with the Texas Rangers in six games. Okay. Well, I I think I'm pulling for the Rangers, but despite you both, which is an important thing in my life, I'll Always. go Diamondbacks in seven. Uh, they've got a good track record of winning game sevens in their history, so maybe they do it again. But I would love to see this go seven. Let's stretch out baseball. Then that five-day window and chaos starts here in the offseason. Um, any other baseball notes? Cubs, around the league, what else are you thinking about? I want to shout out to James Triantos, who we mentioned on our last edition two weeks ago, his torrid Arizona Fall League season. He has not slowed down in the two weeks since we last recorded. He is in the top two, top three uh, in the Arizona Fall League in doubles. I'm sorry, in home runs, in batting average, on base percentage, slugging and OPS. He is actually leading the entire Arizona Fall League in OPS at 1.304. That's 13.04. He is slugging 782, which is insane. He's getting on base 522. So half the time when he goes up there, he's getting on base. He is, I believe, yes, he is leading the AFL in triples with five. Just an insane season uh, in the Arizona Fall League. So two weeks ago, we mentioned that he's having a great season. He hasn't slowed down at all. And then also, to, Ronan, to answer your question from earlier in the show, I have been able to multitask a little bit. That's one of my other middle names. Mm -hmm. uh, there are no great ways to watch the Japan series here in America. There are ways of getting around certain things that for legal reasons, uh, I don't know if we want to bring up on the show, but there is no great official way, paid or otherwise, to watch the Japan series internationally as it is being played. Well, that's crazy. No? disappointing you there, there's got to be some way but uh no you mentioned triantos and i would just point out that triantos of course another guy who was drafted and developed by dan Kantrovitz, so uh who came through there and and as you said he's leading the arizona fall league in ops and you know he has not slowed down i've seen him hit a bunch of triples because the one cool thing you know you talked about the we can't see the Japanese league, but all Arizona Folly games are streaming on their webs on the Arizona Fall League website. So I, sometimes I forget about it. And sometimes I remember like, oh, there's probably a game on now. And I pop it on and I see Triantos up there and he, he's hit like three triples while I've been watching. So it's been pretty cool to follow there. So that would be my recommendation. You can you can watch Arizona Fall League games on the on there. You get the, you know, the minor league camera angle, but you can watch them. And lest we forget Triantos's Mesa Solar Sox teammate, Kevin Alcantara, who is tied for second in the AFL with four home runs, he has put on a bat flip show when he does hit it over the wall. The rate stats were not great for him when we recorded two weeks ago. They have come up a lot. He's OPSing 852 in the Arizona Fall League, so he has come up a fair bit. Two very fun young hitters from the Cubs system to watch out there in Arizona. Yeah, some good stuff there for sure. Uh, Jeremy, anything else in your mind? Cross baseball, Cubs or otherwise? 
Uh, for me, it's just, you know, we got this World Series coming up. It's going to be fun to experience it. It's the end of baseball, the end of the season. But then we got offseason coming up, and I'm I'm stoked for this offseason. I, I think it's going to be a big offseason. I'm ready for it to go. I, I want, you know, I'm almost rooting for a sweep here because I want this offseason to happen. So that's really what's just on my mind because I think the Cubs need to make some moves this offseason. And it, it, I think it's a critical offseason because we want to be – we're in the position to be back in the playoffs next year. I fully believe that. That should be the goal every year, but it, it should really be the goal next year. And, you know, sometimes they say it's the goal or it's, we were disappointed about make the playoffs this year, last year, coming into last season. I don't really think everybody, it was like everybody's goal to really make the playoffs next year, 2024, you got to make the playoffs. So that's what I'm I'm excited about for this off season. And I think we need to prepare for that to going into February, spring training, April, uh, when the regular season starts. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I, I want to savor the baseball we have left, but I want to get to that off season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely there uh, on that front. Um, but it's good to have another World Series. Bit of a bummer for me. This is such a nitpicky thing to complain about, but an all-dome World wow. Series is a little bit of a bummer. Um, and they're way down south, so you're not going to get those long sleeves and cool weather that you like to see in the World Series. Um, also, uh, two of the ugliest ballparks yeah. and stadiums in all of Major League Baseball, bar none. There's not a whole lot of magic in either ballpark. And uh, yeah, Ronan, I hadn't even thought about that until you brought it up. But two warm weather, retractable roof venues, you're not going to get any cold weather gear. And that is disappointing. There should be at least one cold weather city in every World Series. And if that has to be the Cubs in perpetuity, I think MLB should make that decision. I, I, as you mentioned, Ronan, uh, long sleeve, you know, we're not going to really see yeah. long sleeves. I think it was Rob Thompson. I'm not sure if it was Rob Thompson. It was somebody associated with the Phillies, I believe. They called, they said, you, you spent all year trying to get to long sleeve baseball. And I like calling like the playoffs, like October, calling it long sleeve baseball. Like that's a cool thing to me. So like, yeah, that's what um, I, I'm going to miss it a little bit. We're not going to really see long sleeve baseball with these domes. Also, there's a great video out there of Phillies fans after they lost game seven. I recommend I, I can find it. We can post it on the thing, but I recommend anybody going and watching that video of, of, of this local radio guy interviewing Philly fans as they're walking out of game seven. Uh, it's pretty fun to watch. I, you know, I think I saw that just cause you, I didn't know it was a local radio person, but come to think of it, the mic flag was uh, iHeartRadio. radio. Yeah. So it makes sense that it was, Boy, that was a mess. You put a microphone in front of drunk people <laughs> walking out of a stadium, Philadelphia drunk yeah. people walking out of a stadium of a game seven loss, not a very happy fan base, but they seem very optimistic about the Eagles. That's one thing yes. I took away from that video. Except for the one guy who said, let's go Jets, which everybody was like, what? Uh, my favorite, there was like a 14, 13 year old kid who was like the second guy interviewed, just bashing Trey Turner and said, we went farther without him. <laughs> that was <laughs> wow. great. I thought it was great. Philadelphia objectively insane at all times. We went farther without Trey Turner. Get rid of him. Well, I want to end with this, not baseball related. Uh, the Chicago Bulls still stink. How about that? They do. It's yeah. it's unfortunate we have these dreadful organizations in the in the yeah. city of Chicago. Like you can make the same argument about the Bears, to be honest, or you know, on the South Side, which also owned by uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. But the Bulls, to me, like that's just one. Like I can get into football. It's once a week, whatever. Bears stink. Yeah, but it's entertaining. Like. Bulls games are just, I just can't get into it. I tried to watch them the other day. I, it just, just, I love Io Dosumu, my guy, local guy, Illinois guy. It's just, their basketball is boring and it, they're terrible. And I just can't do it. And it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough because I love the Bulls, you know, obviously in the 90s, we all did. Um, and it just kind of, it's just gotten away from me. Boy, this is after going 0 1 to start the season. If they lose more games by the time we record next, I can only imagine what the comments will be like. Yeah. Well, I, it I just do. seems it just seems lifeless and directionless. And I'm spoiled here in Denver. Not that I'm a big NBA guy, but when I do put NBA games on or I'm out and about, it's like, oh, that's a very good team. They've got fun players. They've got a likable coach. They're selling out the arena. It's all good vibes here in Denver with the Nuggets. Uh, Chuck and Shaq on campus the other day. That was pretty cool to see MSU Denver get a little bit of a spotlight. And then I flip over to the Bulls, and it's like, good God, what is happening? And yet, sellout after sellout after sellout at the United Center. It's just uh, amazing how little Jerry has to try and just the, the bags of cash keep dropping off there on Madison. Yeah, the Bulls are a brand, and they're the only NBA team in in city of Chicago, and Chicago loves basketball, so obviously they're always going to have that kind of feel behind it. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just it's 
it, it hasn't been for me. And I liked Billy Donovan when he was at Florida, and I thought he was a good coach at Oklahoma City, and I thought it was going to be a good hire. But uh, I do want to talk about a little bit what I think should be the most exciting story in the city of Chicago. How about that boy Tyson Bajan coming off the bench and winning a game for the Chicago Bears, throwing it around a little bit? I, I well, I'm all in on Tyson Bajan. I think I want to see him open up, open up the playbook a little bit because he, he he was doing so well with he obviously can read and process the offense. He was doing so well in the in the short get passing game a little bit. Let's open it up. Let's see what Tyson Bajan's got. A guy who, you know, from a D two school in. The sixth week of his rookie season, undrafted, seventh week. Like, that's crazy that he's coming out here just thrown to the wolves and, and performing. Uh, and 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 a win where the offensive line looked good. The the running backs were you're on your third, fourth string running backs, they're taking it to. I was impressed. And uh, and I recommend anybody again, another video, watch his dad being interviewed at the senior bowl, Travis Bajan. Absolutely hilarious. I think you gotta root for Tyson Bajan. I, I just can't imagine not rooting for Tyson Bajan. No thoughts, Randall. I thought for sure you'd jump in on that. You you, you don't know, seem to be much of a fan. My, you know, all of my thoughts would make it sound like I am unduly bashing Mr. Bajant, which I am not. I'm just gonna say time is a flat circle. Tyson Bajant is Caleb Haney, is whoever else you want to put in that archetype. I don't want to take anything away from Tyson Bajant, which is why I am, I think, making the correct decision of keeping my thoughts to myself. But good for him for making that first NFL start and really making the most of it. Good for him. Hating on the best story in sports in this city of Chicago. I did right not now. say I was hating. I'm just saying that time is a flat circle and we tend not to learn a whole lot. I I, I think Tyson Bajan's already performed better than Caleb Any ever has, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, I, I thought you were uh, talking Blackhawks there for a minute when you started up that uh, tangent there. I know there's I, a little bit of excitement on the west side with the Hawks I was at right the game now. the other day. Yeah, um, and finally a goal from Bedard. So uh, good stuff there. I'm not finally. I don't know how long that took, but I saw he got his first goal. So he got his first goal in, in the run. second game of the season. He actually, I oh, went perfect. to the game. Uh, he had another. He had another game in the home opener, which was the sixth game of the season. So he has two goals right now. I went to the game, which was the second game of the season at at the United Center, which was on Tuesday, and he had a goal that on a power play that was absolutely horribly, in my opinion, taken off the ice. And it maybe have been the right call to take it off the ice because it, it, it might have been offsides. But on an offsides play, because you can challenge offsides in the in the NHL now, that occurred 40 seconds before that Bedard's goal happened. And I thought that was ridiculous. Like, you got to have a time limit on when you're challenging offsides. It can't be two minutes before and then be like, oh, wait, after the goal, we want to challenge something that happened two minutes ago. That's ridiculous to me. This was for, 30 to 40 seconds before. And, and there's got to be a time limit there. Well, that's all we got here. We'll be back after the World Series before free agency gets rolling. Uh, Randall. Enjoy your Halloween. Dress as Tyson Bajan. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Might be. All right, we'll see you next time.